Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. You have a Bible this morning. Turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Verse number four, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with, and I love the word with, but you could also say in the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Just look at your neighbor and say power. Say it like a Pentecostal, say power. Power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was saying this just before he ascended to heaven. And he's gathered with 500 of his followers, only 120 listened and heeded the word of the Lord. He said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. Now it's important that When we look at this subject, we don't forget who he's talking to and why he's talking to them. He's talking to people of faith and he's saying, wait in Jerusalem, be filled with power from on high. Essentially, you've got to look at what he's also saying and what he's already said. He said in Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So he talks about going and evangelizing. He says, lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. Cast out demons. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll take up serpents, they won't harm you. In Matthew's account of the same story, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In other words, go and build this thing called church. Go and empower a generation to know the power and the presence of God. Go, 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 go. But before he said go, he says wait. Before he says go and evangelize, go and build churches, go and change the world, he actually says Do those things, but something has to take place first. Does anyone know the something I'm talking about? He's saying, I want you to go to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, and wait until the power of God comes upon you. See, there are things that God's called us to do that we cannot do without the power of the Holy Spirit in our heart and in our life. Do you believe that on a Sunday morning? And he says to them, he says, go and wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power, you're filled with power, you receive power from on high and be filled with the Spirit. Before you go first, be filled with the Spirit. Does anyone believe that this morning? That God's Word hasn't changed. He's still saying, before you go, wait, get full of the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Spirit of God. And I want to use for a subject, we're starting a series called Churchianity. Because I believe there's a difference between going to church and being the church. I also believe that Jesus isn't coming back for a church less powerful than the one that he left. I I believe the one he's coming back for is going to be alive with the power of God. I believe it's going to be full of the Spirit's power where believers will be equipped and anointed to go and do the same things Jesus has done. uh, But I want to use for a subject within my series today, I want to use for a subject today, the Pentecostal message. The Pentecostal message. Message. I want to say this before I 
clarify some things. I want to say that this is a Pentecostal church. And it's not Pentecostal because of our denominational affiliation. I'd love to even say to our denomination, you need to be more Pentecostal. The denomination I'm a part of, I think, needs to get under the fire of God, full of the Spirit's power, alive with the fire of God. We've made a formula of church, two fast songs, two slow songs, a quick prayer. But there's no room for our, for our Holy Spirit to come, for the Holy Spirit to come and move and saturate hearts and lives. And I believe even our denomination needs to get back to the power of God. We were birthed in the supernatural and in a lot of ways we've lost our way and we have to get back to Pentecostal power. We have to get back to the wind of the Spirit of God. We have to get back and I'm telling you right now as long as I've got breath in my lungs I'm going to preach what I'm preaching today. But I want to tell you about this Pentecostal message because it's so important that we understand. Can I tell you, man, I, I know what I'm about to say and I feel it in my bones, so I better just say it. But I, sometimes there's a message that's in your head, but something gets your spirit. And I, I've woken up today with a mission from God. And the stuff I'm saying, I feel like God spoke to me and say, said, David, don't preach for invitations. Don't preach and, and censor yourself. Just put my word and my message in your mouth and watch what I'm about to do. It is unbelievable. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to move from a message because what I'm telling you today and what I feel like I'm preaching and what I'm about to share with you is the most important thing that, that I, I feel like, uh, other than, of course, the gospel is the most important message that we, we need to know as the body of Christ. I've got a lot to say and, uh, and we're going to get into it. But before I talk about this Pentecostal message, I want to make a few statements. We believe that this Pentecostal message And I'll explain more about what that is. We believe the Pentecostal message is the Bible message. We believe the Pentecostal way is the Bible way. I am not talking denominationally. I'm talking about according to Acts chapter 2. The way the church started was in the power of the Spirit. It was in the anointing of God. It was in the fire of the Holy Ghost. And so we are, in the turn of the century, we're considered on the edge and on the fringe. Incidentally, we're the fastest growing group of churches in the world. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, it's It's hundreds of thousands a week. But this is what we've got to understand about church history. We are not the church... That, that, that are on the fringe, the mainline church departed from the book of Acts. Religion kicked in. Uh, people created mediators between God and man. The only mediator between God and man is Jesus. Anyone else is... is, is, is I'm not going to open that door today, but if if your access to God is via somebody, get rid of the somebody and touch the hem of his garment for yourself. That. But we believe that the Pentecostal message is the book of Acts message. We believe it's the New Testament message because what we believe is what we see here in Scripture. And we believe the New Testament pattern is a Pentecostal pattern. Are you with me this morning? I want to I go uh, just a little, a little deeper. And we believe that unless you're in the Pentecostal way, you'll never really quite know Jesus like you ought to know him and never really be able to be used by him as he would desire to use you. I'm going to say that again. Because some of you might go, I don't think you, you can say that. But before you think that, let it do a lap in your mind and process it through what you know about the Spirit of God. How 
can we know God in his fullness without an encounter with the Spirit? Unless you're in the Pentecostal way, you'll really never quite know Jesus like you ought to know him and never be able to be used by him as he would desire to use you. This Pentecostal message is a million miles more than just speaking in tongues. Far more than glossolalia or a spiritual utterance. It is about power coming on the people of God in order for them to do what God's called them to do. I believe we're in danger of drifting to a point where we believe Pentecost is little more than tongues attached to a salvation message. Pentecost is so much more than that. And I believe that the devil is doing everything in his power to stymie, to hinder, and to neutralize the church by undermining this message. It's a great Pentecostal experience. Is the way the church started, and I believe it's the way the church needs to finish. Full of the Holy Spirit. I'm a, let me say this, I'm a Pentecostal. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not afraid that in a, in a church like ours, if somebody gets delivered from a devil. In fact, I feel like it's unusual that in church we don't see that. I, I feel like in a service like this, I'm, I'm not afraid if somebody prays in the Holy Ghost and, and you feel heaven flow out of them. To me, it's unusual and it's not Bible if we're not seeing those things. I, I feel like if people aren't getting healed, and I, I want this to be an atmosphere where the Spirit of God is in total control of what's happening in this church in the name of Jesus. I don't want to be a pseudo-Pentecostal. I want to be the real deal, plugged in to the power of God. And I also believe that the true Pentecostal message isn't, isn't gimmicks. It's not commercialized church. Not that I have a problem with any gimmick or any commercialization of church, but that isn't what this is. Those things are maybe a way of creating awareness. I love it. I'm all for everything. Every bell and whistle going on in church. I want the bell and I want the whistle. And I want more bells and I want more whistles. If there's a new light, I want the new light. If there's a new projector, I want the new projector. If there's a new camera, I want the new camera. If there's something new that we can get that's exciting, I want those things, but they're not Pentecost. They just make it look better or cooler. What I believe that Pentecost does is it helps us fall in love with Jesus. And I believe it brings power for us to overcome the powers of hell. I want to give you six things. If I can get through them in the nine o'clock, God turned up in the service. We got to number four. Things happen at nine o'clock in the Bible. You know that, right? I want to have a look at this today. Six things that we believe as Pentecostals. I just feel led by the Holy Spirit, maybe for those that don't even know what I mean by this. Tell you what a Pentecostal is. Give me 60 seconds. In the book of Acts, there was a day called Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell upon the church. Believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. God touched their life. They came into the gifts of the Spirit. The church exploded. We are Pentecostal because we believe what happened on that day is for this day. Simple as that. And uh, that the power of God hasn't ended. The power of God is still for us. We don't believe the book of Acts ever uh, said the end. We just figured Luke stopped writing about it. But what we do know is that although it goes from Acts chapter 1 to Acts 28, we're living in Acts 29 today, and we can still continue to see the acts of God that the apostles saw on planet Earth. I would love it if somebody in the house would take 10 seconds and give God a shout if you believe that this morning here at Life Point Church. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Number one, what this Pentecostal message is. Number one, 
and what we believe as Pentecostals. Number one, true Pentecostals believe. True Pentecostals believe all of the Bible. True Pentecostals believe all of the Bible. I had fun sharing this in the last service because this is something that maybe we don't always take the time to consider, but the Bible's very clear that all Scripture is given by the inspiration, the breath of the Spirit of God. And we believe not only that that's the case, but we believe in the literal interpretation of Scripture. In other words, we believe that if it's in there, it's true. The Bible says, and I've gone blank. I'm not sure if it's Psalms or Proverbs. Help me, Pastor George or Pastor Keith, whichever one get it right. The pay rise is your... The Lord says, I think it's Psalms, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your, I'm right, for your faithfulness continues. So in other words, don't try and add to the Bible. Don't add to Scripture. It's been settled when it was given by God. It was given in totality. It contains the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help us, God. It is the living word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Can I say, we believe in the whole Bible. We believe from Genesis to Revelation. You might be sitting there saying, yeah, but surely you don't believe that uh, that, that Moses came to the Red Sea and, and had all these Israelites with him and, and uh, came to the Red Sea and didn't know where to go. So he had to lift it up his stick and, and God came, breathed on the waters and parted them and they walked through on dry. Surely you don't believe that. I believe that. <laughs> if, it, if it says he stood in front of the Red Sea and lifted up a rod... Then he stood in front of the Red Sea and he lifted up a rod and they walked through on dry ground. You say, come on, Dave. Surely you don't believe that Jonah went into the belly of a fish and got thrown up on the shores of Nineveh. I believe that Jonah disobeyed God after God called him to preach in Nineveh. I believe he got on a boat. He got on the wrong boat and he decided to go to Tarshish. The judgment of God raged. The waters raged. People were going to die. And so they knew that they needed to get rid of the person that was contrary to the will of God and that was Jonah. They threw Jonah overboard and I believe there was a great fish. The Bible says it was a great fish. It wasn't just a good fish. It was a great fish. And I believe there was a great fish that saw Jonah right there and took Jonah in and and swum him all the way to Nineveh for three days and for three nights in the belly of the whale, you say, oh, surely, oh, that's a hard one to swallow. Here's the thing. The same God that can create man out of dust can make a fish with an extra big compartment. He created me with one of those. It's amazing what I can take in for days on end. I believe the story of Jonah to be the literal truth. I'm not a biologist, but I believe that God made the heavens and the earth. I don't believe today that we're here because some animal turned into something else. I don't believe I started out as a chook. I believe that I am made in the image of God, created by God, the Father Almighty. I believe that when Jesus said, let there be light, there was light. I, I believe when he breathed into lifeless man, the breath of God, we had a living Adam. I believe the Bible. Oh man, I'm getting, I, I believe that when Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho seven times, oh hallelujah, I'm starting to like this 11 o'clock service. 
Not like the hungover crowd at nine. You, now I'm teasing, this is the hungover crowd, but at least you're happy. But you, here, here's the thing. I, I, I believe, you know, the, the, the scripture, if you interpret it literally, Joshua walked around those walls seven times and the walls didn't just drop. It's as though the fists of God plunged those walls of the fortified city into the core of the ground. Archaeologists still dig and find walls that have been driven 2,000 years later. There's Bartimaeus sitting outside Jericho. Jesus walks past. Bartimaeus says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I wonder when Jesus was walking into Jericho, even before he saw Bartimaeus. I wonder if he thought, man, my father did some serious work in this city. And when he walked in and there's blind Bartimaeus, the same hands that drove those Jericho walls down are the same hands that heal blindness. They're the same hands that deliver. They're the same hands that reach out and touch your heart and touch your life so we can truly know that greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. I've come to tell you this morning that I believe in Pentecostal power. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. I believe the Bible. Because he, here's, here's the thing. And this is the thing. I believe the Bible sets people free. I believe the Bible gives people hope and gives people life. The church, you, you go to all the churches, you're full of devils. I'm not trying to be hectic. But how many people that are under the powers of the devil just get sent on to someone else? Well, we better refer you. Last I checked, we carry the same authority Jesus carried. And I'll tell you, we've got to come back to the word of God that says, go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. I mean, you and I have authority to see things shift and change. And I, can I say, this shouldn't be a body of referral. This is where the stuff should happen. And so when we come back to Pentecost and we come back to the Word of God, we're going to see captives set free. We're going to see people delivered and changed. I'm telling you, I, I, I know drug addicts. I know people that have been bound. I know people bound by stuff. I've seen it firsthand. I, the, 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 the man can only do so much. But when that river from heaven flows and reaches in and touches hearts and lives, we see the miracle hand of God. I believe in the power of God in the name of Jesus. This Word works. You say, how can you prove that? Because half the people in in this room were drunk. Half the people in this room were bound up. Half the people in this room were in strife. All the people in this room were on their way to hell, but they found Jesus. They, they met the living God of heaven. They met the one who walks on water. They met the one who calms the storms and says, peace be still. And I don't know about you, if it worked for you, if it worked for you, if it worked for me, this thing still works. This thing still has power. This thing still changes lives. This thing is supernatural by the grace of God. If you believe it, why don't you give God God, a shout of praise on a Sunday morning. It works. Works. The Bible works. We've got to turn this thing loose. I think if, I, if the church even just started at reading the thing from time to time. Get it in your spirit. This word works. Does anyone else here believe the Bible's the word of God? You know... I get told sometimes that, man, you get too full on. You get too fired up. I don't think people realize how much I hold back. I'm doing my best. 
I just, I just wish some of us would fire up together and say, you know, some, we're going to have a move of God in this church. We're going we're gonna to see Adelaide shaken by the hand of God. See, I behave myself. I, I behave myself because I don't face. I don't want to be so heavenly minded. I'm of no earthly use, you know. But at the same time, sometimes I feel like, man, if only this place. Remember our roots. Remember how we started in the power. Second thing we believe is Pentecostals believe in salvation by grace through faith. You say, why, as in Ephesians 2, why do you say that? Because there's brands of Pentecostalism that will tell you if you don't have a prayer language, you're not born again. And I believe that that is also a work of the enemy to dilute the truth of this Pentecostal message. You can't add fine print to salvation. We are saved because... God sent his son Jesus to hang, to bleed, to die on Calvary's cross in your place and in my place that you and I might have life, life abundant. And because of our acceptance by faith of the grace of God, his grace floods our heart and floods our life. He takes our stony heart, puts in a heart of flesh, a new spirit he puts with us. Paul said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. This born again experience, this, this encounter with God that we have cannot be added to by another manifestation of God's spirit. The baptism in the spirit, I believe, is for anybody who's born again, but it is not a saving agent. It may have the power to save somebody else through being upon your life, but it adds nothing towards your going to heaven. You either have the ticket or you don't have the ticket. It just It's not a case of whether or not you're going to heaven or whether you're not going to heaven. Being saved is what gets you to heaven. Being Baptizing the Spirit is what gives you power to do what God's called you to do. We believe in salvation by grace. So, so you say, okay, so, so the Baptist Church, the Uniting Church, the Lutheran Church, they're different to us. Does that mean we don't believe they're legit? We believe they're legit. We believe people that go to those churches that fall in love with Jesus and surrender their lives to Christ are our brothers and sisters in God. They're going to the same heaven. They're just going to be in a slightly quieter section than us. Do I believe Baptists are going to heaven? 100%. Do I believe Uniting Church members are going to heaven? Absolutely, 100%. But anyone who attends a church like that, that names the name of Jesus Christ, that believes in the saving grace of God, they are brother, they are sister, and we love them. We walk in unity with them. We believe with them. We're going to spend eternity together with them. Walking streets of gold. So just so you know, Pentecostals, although we would say we believe that our message is the Bible message, we just believe we preach a a full gospel when it comes to the spirit experience. But we believe that the gospel, we believe the essentials are held by any Christian church that loves Jesus Christ. And so we are not on the fringe. We're in the, we are absolutely in the mix with our brothers and sisters all across the city. There's a thousand churches gathering today and 99.9% are going to gather. They're going to exalt a name that's greater than any other name. That's greater than disease, greater than sickness, greater than poverty and brokenness. And to those churches, we say, praise God, may they grow, may they flourish, and may they continue to hold back the tides of hell in our city for the glory of God. We believe in salvation by grace through faith. Number three, Pentecostals believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the accompanying evidence of speaking in tongues. 
We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that when you're baptized in the Spirit, God will put a language in your mouth that you do not know or understand, but somewhere, somehow, somebody will. We don't believe it's gibberish. We don't believe it's, it's intelligible babble. We believe it's your Spirit's language, the very language of heaven. It's a language that I know is spoken in heaven. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible talks about tongues of angels. And so if angels are speaking in an unknown tongue and we speak in an unknown tongue, it's a very fair conclusion to draw that in heaven, our heavenly language may well be our first language. I suggest you learn it on this side. (laughs) Otherwise, you might be in heaven. It might not come as easy up there. You might have to go to a class. Heavenly language class, I speak fluent English. <laughs> I just sit there, I told you. We don't believe that tongues is the, the goal of Pentecost. We believe tongues is the means of stirring up that Pentecostal experience. Don't make fun of it. You don't understand it. Prophesied by Isaiah in the Old Testament with stammering lips and an unknown tongue. And he says, this will be the rest. By this you'll be refreshed. Rest and refreshing. Don't you love the Holy Spirit? Don't you love his presence, his touch? Number four, Pentecostals believe in living a holy life. I, I don't believe in legalism, but we do believe in holiness. It's not actually about you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't do this, you can't do that. It's just about being so in love with Jesus that what you want to do changes. Can I say, if there's a, if there's a dog that bites and you put a muzzle on that dog, Legalism's the muzzle. The dog still has a lust for ankles and wants to bite those things. And when you muzzle the dog, you're not changing the spiritual condition of the dog. You're just muzzling sin. And too often we do sin management rather than heart change. And so we say, don't do this. There's twisted up Christians that don't do a lot of things. And there's some Christians that have battles and there's far more Christian fruit in the ones that have battles sometimes than the ones that have it all right because the ones that have it all right, they've got the muzzle on. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do our best to live right. Don't go, oh, my heart's good, so I'm just going to look up porn. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying one justifies the other, but I'm saying when you truly love Jesus, your wants begin to change. Sin is the stuff that we do when Jesus isn't enough. When Jesus is enough, things change. When I am in in, in my best place with God, I don't have to work too hard to be holy because I just find that it's a far more natural space. When my devotional life slips, my prayer life slips, so does my mouth, so does my attitude, so does stuff in my world. The best sin management is being in love with Jesus. When I say any Christian... We sin, here's the thing, this is going to sound controversial. You can sin as much as you want to. Because I'm not trying to deal with that. I'm not saying go and sin, but I'm saying sin as much as you want. Because I want to preach to your want. Some of us have our favorite sin. I've got my favorite sin. I've got a number of them. Gluttony is my absolute favorite. 
trying to purge that in my life. Let me tell you, my wants are not... (laughs) My wants and my habits right now are two different things. What I want to do is just put my head in lint chocolate balls. What I want to do is go and eat a whole chicken, lather it with barbecue sauce and have fries or sweet potato fries even with aioli. I just want to smash it. But instead I'll go to lunch and I'll say, I'll have a salad. I don't want the salad. There's no part of me that wants the salad. I'm a hypocrite when it comes to me in a restaurant. I want to go to Gaucho for lunch. I want to eat a porterhouse on the bone, 600 grams. I want there to be a bit of juice coming out of it. When I poke it, I want to hear a faint you know that's what I want to hear I want to eat that I want every accompanying potato that's what I want so clearly I have not submitted that to God and to be honest with you the the likelihood of submitting that to God I'm going to try but I've tried for years so have the generations that have gone before me talk about wants. Pastor George, who drinks as much alcohol as he wants. You smoke as many joints as you want. He goes clubbing as much as he wants. Is that true? You smoke as much as you want to. We are, we're giving you permission. Not quite. Isn't the heart of what I'm saying. He does as much as he wants. He used to be an alcoholic. He drinks as much as he wants. Why is that? Because when he met Oh, Jesus. When he got saved, when heaven flooded his soul, he didn't change his habits. He had a change of heart. He became a new person, and God changed those wants in his life. You get that same muzzled dog, and he gets that little old bone. You touch it, it'll bite your hand off. But let me tell you, you walk up to that same dog with a juicy porterhouse steak on the bone. I don't know why I'm talking about I know where we need to go for lunch, sweetheart. Can I say, you only have to give the nod. We'll abandon shopping. We'll just go to lunch. And mum can have the... Serious? Can we go to Gaucho for lunch for real? Where's my mum? Is that all right, mum? So you'll have the kids? For real? So we are going to lunch at Gaucho. And the saints of God said together, go and do whatever you want. Whatever is in your heart to do today, go and do it. Except don't. Because some of you are heathens. Pretty much everyone on that front row. Especially the one on the end. Do you know? I'm teasing. Alicia's like the closest thing to Jesus on that front row. The rest are compromised. That same dog, you bring that steak over to that dog, he's going to drop that little bone straight away. Because he thinks that's what he wants. Because he's never seen greater some of you are biting an old bone, but God says, I've got steak for you. I've got goodness for you. Change your wants. Stop wanting, stop wanting the things of the world. They're temporal. Look for the things that are eternal. Pentecostals believe in holiness. Can I say, I'm not, I'm not a saint. I'm not perfect. But can I say, do your best to live right. 
want what God wants. Say, God, make me holy. The Bible says without holiness, no man will see God. We live in a grace-saturated world, and I love the preaching of grace. It's refreshed me. It's helped me live free from condemnation. I thank God for the grace of God. I thank God for preachers out of Singapore that are loosening up the church and not hate on themselves every time they get it wrong. But guess, let me say this, by all means, drink from those fountains, but still remember there is something upon us that that, that God says, hey, keep your testimony, live right, sleep with your own wife, stay married, live right, keep your eyes on him, not on the world. Don't, don't, don't be carnal. Don't get hooked on substance. I, I'm so, I know it's old school, but church, let's live clean by the grace of God. Without holiness, no men will see God. The church doesn't come to, some, some of you try behavior, behavior management, it doesn't work. Get in the secret place of God. Let me say, if by, I, just, I feel to say this, if you are leaving this place and think, well, David just said, if that's what I want, do it. Can I say something? The wages of sin is death. And so if what your heart wants isn't right, you need a heart change because there is, sin has a payday. But when you're in God, it's amazing. You basically sin as much as you want to. I just don't want to leave that open. I want to close that door and let you know, don't be naughty. Do not, do not. Do not be naughty. That's how you deliver a holiness message in an Indian accent. Number five, Pentecostals believe in a worship. We worship God with who we are. We magnify him. We lift up holy hands in love with him and his grace floods our life. And some mornings I come in and I'll be honest with you, worship isn't necessarily the, my first response. I've got pressure. I've got stuff to deal with just in between services. I had to just major documents just need to be signed. And just everyone's in the one building at the one time. So we're able to just do a couple of those things and, there's always stuff going on and things that have to happen for the church. And I want to just tell you that sometimes worship can be the, the last response. I want to encourage you when you walk in here, we've got to remember, you come into the house of God and say, you know what, it's for me and my house. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to magnify our God, worship. Pentecostals believe in worship. I believe that the church, I, I believe worship should be loud. Now, before you get worried and go, you're not going to turn it up. I'm not talking about what comes out of here. I'm talking about what comes out of here. Because the Bible says that, that the angels around the throne, the beasts, the elders, the whole crew, there was 10,000 times 10,000. Is 10,000 times 10,000 100 million or 10 mil? Uh, no, don't try and work it out. Don't get your cake. 10,000 times 10, 100 million. I thought we had a smart church here. The only one that knew was Ron. Ron, we just didn't, just on past experience, it had to be verified. That was, a, <laughs> I'm teasing, I'm teasing. <laughs> Number six, Pentecostals believe in the rapture of the church. That at any moment, the trumpet of God could sound and every child of God would be caught up. I think about how crazy the news media goes. And I, I'm not making light of anything. When 9-11 happens or when a president gets elected or a guy, a deranged, demonized man drives his car through an open shopping mall in Melbourne and runs people down, including children. The media go crazy. I do want to say this. What is the, what is the media going to do when 200 million people disappear out of this planet? In the moment, in one moment of time, what what are they gonna? What is Ray Martin gonna say? I don't know. 
but I can tell you this is a fact because I read it on the internet. <laughs> the, the largest font the New York Times had reserved up until digital printing, the largest font had already been put into a mold. The largest font was going to be reserved for the rapture of the church by the New York Times. I don't know if that holds true now, but until that point, they had reserved. They will never have a bigger font until Christ returns. I'm watching and I'm waiting. I'm looking above because I know that the trumpet of God's going to sound. And there are messages as Pentecostals that I believe we're in danger of losing in the body of Christ. God called us to preach the blood. He called us to preach the Holy Spirit. He called us to preach repentance. He, he, he called us, if we're going to be preachers, if you're a young person desiring to be a preacher, don't, don't just listen to somebody else's revelation. A lot of people are just echoes of what they hear. We've got to be John the Baptist, be a voice in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. And I tell you, I feel God's put it on my heart to be a voice that prepares the church for a revival like we've never seen before. A move of the Holy Ghost that will shake the world for Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the news media? I love it. Who's going to be interviewed when the church is raptured? 200, 300 million. Did I say 200 million? It's 2 billion. Leave the planet. Gone. What's going to... What are, the, what are the newscasters going to do? They're going to ring the backslidden preachers. They're going to ask the backslidden Christians or the husband of the wife who went to church every week, but he never bowed his knee to Jesus. He's going to say, my wife told me about this and I might have seen a Nicolas Cage movie. Very low budget Nicolas Cage movie. You know what won't be raptured? The internet. Bibles. You're going to stand up and they're going to say, hey, my friend told me about this. My friend told me that Jesus was coming back. I went to a church and a preacher said there's going to be a rapture of the church. And I said, you're crazy. That Jesus was coming back and there was going to be an antichrist. And, and, and we rejected it. Or, 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 or there might even be, God forbid, there might even be people who said, my, my pastor never talked about that. I, I, never, I never heard about that. See, we've got a 27.5% of the Bible is Bible prophecy. Yet we don't preach 27.5% of our messages on the coming of the Lord. We need to get it back in our conversation that Jesus is returning. The trump of God, not the trump of an angel, not the trump of Michael, not the, not the trump of a high priest. The trump of God is going to sound. The dead in Christ will rise. We're, we're going to go. I've got a rapture plan. I'm going to grab non-Christian under each arm. And as I float through the atmosphere, I'm going to get past Mount Lofty. And I'm going to say, hey, are you ready to get saved or am I going to drop you? And uh, Maybe in this room today, and you've never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never, ever made a personal decision to have a living relationship with God. Maybe you're sitting in this room right now and you'd say, David, I don't know Jesus. David, I'm away from God. I need a savior. Maybe you've been saved and you walk with Jesus, but for whatever reason, sinners come into your world or, or 
circumstances have come into your world and they put distance between you and God. You know that God's calling you home today. You know that he's asking you to come home to Jesus. He's asking you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. In the closing minute of this service, I want to ask you a question, whether it's for the first time or whether you're coming back to Christ. If you'd say, David, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I want to get saved. I want to get born again. If that's you in this place, while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if you'd say, David, I want to become a Christian. I want forgiveness of my sin. I want to find Jesus. While every head's bowed, every eye closed, I don't want to embarrass any person, but if that's you, would you slip up your hand so I can see who you are? I'd love to pray with you. God bless you over there. I'm so proud of you, sir. Is there anybody else that would say, David, pray for me? I want you to include me in my prayer. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Is there anybody else that would say, David, today's my day. I need to get my heart right with God. I feel in my heart that there are others today. I feel that pull. Bless you, buddy. That's awesome. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody else that would say, David, pray for me. I need to get my heart right with God. Anyone else? Is there another? Are there others today? Today's a day of salvation, the Bible says. Don't put off today what God can do in your life if you would dare to trust him. Is there anybody else that would say, David, include me in your prayer. I have to get saved. Today's my day. Let's pray. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. Those people that lifted their hands, I want you to pray it out loud after me. You in your seats, I'd love you to pray it as well, church, just to make people feel part of what's happening. But why don't we pray in the name of Jesus and let's believe that God's going to do something in people's hearts and in people's lives right now. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin, the things I've done and the way I've lived. And I ask you to come into my heart to change me to make me new, to give me a new beginning and a fresh start. I confess you as Lord and I believe in my heart that you are real and that you are alive. And from this moment, I'm washed, I'm saved, I'm cleansed and I'm born again and I'm a child of God. It's a new day in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise in this place. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au. 